It's the class of 1980. Hello, hello, is this on? Uh, What day is it? That's probably the more important question. Uh, We are almost 60 days into the insane COVID-19 complete economic devastation shutdown. No one seems to know where we should go from here or how we are supposed to get there and what we're supposed to do when we get there. So, uh, uh, incredibly frustrating, but hopefully you and yours are doing better than we and ours. Actually, most of ours are doing all right. It's just myself that seems to be going insane, but we have not uh, decided to end it all yet. Um, of course, the day is young. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, Greencastle Antrim High School Class of 1980 40-Year Reunion Tour. If you do a Google search for GAHS80, we should come up there. This episode and all the other episodes are listed there in podcast format. You can subscribe there under the audio file via Apple Podcasts, Android device, any uh, other podcast aggregator of your choice. We are back again with another Greencastle Antrim High School 1980 alumni. Mr. John Lehman is with us today. John, how are you doing? Doing well. Good, good, good. How's how's COVID treating? This is uh, Sunday. How's COVID uh, nineteen treating you this weekend? Well, other than annoyances, going places uh, with having to wear a mask, or at least they tell you you have to wear a mask. <laughs> I, I, I rebel against that as much as possible. There you go. I saw a note from Michael Coons, and he was, he's just yeah, refusing to do it. <laughs> I, know, I know you're allowed to do that, but, uh, oh man, I hate him because I, yeah. I don't have, I don't wear my contacts all the time. So when I have glasses on, it just fogs up the glasses continuous. So. Right. It's most annoying, but anyway, yes. this too shall pass hopefully soon. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself as far as what you've done for the last 40 years. Hard to believe it's been 40 years, but uh, 40 years since we graduated, what have you been doing with yourself? Well, pretty much like a lot of people work. Um, I've been in residential construction for all but about five years of that. Um, I worked for a commercial company. They did uh, a little bit of residential, but mostly commercial in there but uh, other than that it's been residential construction Uh, right out of high school I went to work for uh, well I went to work on co-op from the career center uh, Votech as we knew it Mm -hmm. and uh, worked for Marlon Gaiman in Chambersburg I know Marlon and uh, that's an interesting story I was the third generation to work for him Uh, my my grandfather was with him when he started his business and then uh, when uh, my dad came back from 1W service, he went to work for him. And then uh, I went to work for him my senior year. So that, that was kind of interesting. And then uh, locally, I worked for Henry Stauffer, Mike Stauffer's dad. I and knew Henry well. He was a part of Lions Club in Chambersburg when I was president there. Worked for him for approximately 15 years. And... Uh, that's who I was working for. Oh, I was working for him when he passed away. And then uh, I basically picked up the pieces or what was left of his company and uh, 
was in business for myself for 13 years and then went to work for the residential company after the economy took a downturn. Okay. I imagine, what, 2008, 2009 crash? No, I actually survived that. It was uh, the beginning of President Obama's second term that things had gotten to the point where I didn't want to try to ride out another four years, and this opportunity presented itself, so I went to work there. So where are you working now? Uh, right now, I work for Mount Tabor Builders out of Clear Spring. Okay. Uh, I'm a superintendent. Basically, I run five or six jobs at a time, doing anything from additions to full houses and so forth. All right, and most of those jobs are down in that area, or where, where are they? Yes, at? yes. Uh, I did do a house this summer in Chippensburg and one here in Greencastle, but the majority of the work is Hagerstown, West Virginia. Okay. And what price range houses do they build? Um, mostly upper end. Uh, we have one to start in Needmore this fall, and that that one's supposed to be, I think the contract on that's $1.2 million. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's upper end. <laughs> yeah. Of course, down in Frederick, Frederick prices are so high, uh, you know, in certain parts of Maryland like that, that, uh, um, you know, you, sometimes you don't buy much for a million dollars. No, that's for sure. The, this particular house is 7,000 square feet, though. Yeah. So tell me about, about your family. Well, I've been married, uh, I'll be 38 years in September. and uh, That's a nice long time. Yes, it is. Can't believe she put up with me that long. That's what she, she's, no, she's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she would tell you that too. <laughs> uh, have, have two children, a son and a daughter. Uh, a son is uh, 32 and lives in Ortana, Pennsylvania, and he works for uh, Penn State. Uh, he is the director of the Graham Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership in um York, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, our daughter is 29, and she lives in Chambersburg and works for Patriot. Okay. Great. Yeah, uh, Mike works for Patriot, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, I saw Mike Stauffer at, um, maybe seven years ago at Stoner's Drive-In. Uh, he, he had walked down from the the credit union to have lunch and talk to him for a little bit but i haven't seen him since uh, did see his wife she showed me um, a rental property i was looking at and talked to her a bit but uh, i don't see mike stauffer on facebook so I need to get him on here and hear his story but anyway not to sidetrack you what, what about grandchildren yes one grandson he is four and if i knew grandkids were so much fun i'd have had them first <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Yeah, they are, uh, uh, it, I don't know. You know, you're older, and so you're more patient anyway. And, um, and of course, when you get tired of them, you can just send them home with their parents. So uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting places that you've uh, vacationed or visited over the years. Well, probably the most interesting thing was for our 25th wedding anniversary, we uh, took a cruise on the inside passage from Alaska to Alaska. And, 
I've heard Alaskan cruises are amazing, so I haven't had the pleasure, but uh, my parents went, and everyone I've ever talked to just just said it's absolutely beautiful. Yes, uh, it's like you you looking out and you're thinking, man, that's just absolutely gorgeous. It doesn't get much better than that. And you turn around and there's it's just as beautiful. You know, it's just it's amazing. Well, that's uh, great. Glad you were able to enjoy that. Uh, any other places stand out? Well, not. Not particularly. We don't do a lot of traveling. Uh, one of, I guess it's our hobbies, I'd say kind of my mo- both my wife and I are into dogs. In two, When we built our house here in 2000, we had one dog and one cat. And in the last 20 years, we've had as many as 22 dogs. Oh, my goodness. And of course, the cat has disappeared. Uh <laughs> After after the third dog showed up, uh, he he got a little bit nervous, and so we found him another home. But uh, we started out. Uh, my wife had Los Opses, little little dogs, kind of like uh, Shih Tzus. Yeah. We had one of those, and uh, the groomer friend uh, actually became a mentor to my wife, and she wound up getting into dog shows and so forth, and that that led to more dogs, and it it just snowballed there. And I finally decided that it was time for a man's dog so that I would, it didn't have to deal with these little foo-foo dogs. So I got a German short hair pointer about 10 years ago and uh, started getting into training and, and uh, competing with bird dogs. And so now I have four German short hair pointers, the, the last two of which I had bred the litters myself and kept the pick puppy out of the litter. Okay. So, so you you go to the shows also, or you do hunting stuff with? No, them? I do hunt. I do hunting stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and and you, I didn't hear. Maybe you told us. Do you still live around here, or or you yes? Know? Okay. No, I still live in the Greencastle area. Okay. Uh, live on Bema Sturfer Road. I assume you have some acreage if you have dog. If you if you're raising dogs, uh, actually, just about a half acre, and uh, there's fields around us so i'm able to run them on that and then i have various friends in the area that also do that and we we go to local farms and so forth to train we've had a couple dogs and i'm horrible at uh at training so how hard is it to learn to train dogs well <laughs> it, it uh you get out of it what you want to put into it you have to, the more dedicated you are the the more you can get out of it the the big thing there's a lot of similar principles to to raising kids you know you got to be consistent and you got to you got to give a lot of love when you demand a lot from them they they need a lot of love too you can't just be demanding and expect them to perform all the time okay i i bounced a little bit with my first one and uh wound up sending her to a prayer trainer and uh wasn't happy with the results so i was working with i had gotten a second one while she was out being trained and started messing with her on my own and then i ran into a guy by the name of greg fry from gettysburg and he became a mentor to me and i learned a lot from him and then he he wound up passing away of a massive heart attack suddenly a little over a year ago so i've been doing it on my own with friends uh I'm in an organization called NAVDA, which stands for North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. And 
we have local chapter there's local chapters and stuff and so i'm a member of the keystone chapter and it's all kind of like-minded people and we help each other you know if i have a problem somebody else probably has dealt with that and we'll help you through it and you know vice versa now is it a group that has meetings or just basically a way to communicate back and forth and ask questions both uh we we basically have group training days uh the keystone chapter before covid hit us this year usually met twice a month uh starting in march and where, and, where would that uh, be at local game lands we do newville york springs game lands york new salem rossville just different game lands that have uh open fields that we can can train in and, and also water. That's the one thing about the versatile breeds. They can do, you can take them duck hunting. I was setting a duck blind and so forth with you, where you can go out and do upland hunting. Uh, my dogs will point, you know, pheasants, grouse, quail, woodcock. Now that, that's a tough bird to hit a woodcock. Uh, shooting at one of them things flying through the a swampy wooded areas is quite a challenge. I assume there is some advantage to moving or training in different areas, maybe unknown areas. It sounds like you move around to several different places. Yes. Dogs become comfortable. Uh, and they think just like a kid that they know more than the handler and, you know, they think they know what they want, what you want them to do. And, and they attempt to go do that, not necessarily when they're supposed to do it. So that that's one of the advantages of, training at different places. And one of the things I like to do for testing is test somewhere else that I don't usually haven't even trained there. Um, and if I have trained there, it's not usually more than once before I test. That's a lot of fun. Plus you get, that way you get to meet more, more people that way. And the thing about that is when we do at our local test, I've tested there a time or so. But you feel you don't you don't relax as much because you want the test to run smoothly. So you are kind of thinking like, well, I should go over there and help with that. When when it's about, you know, it's just you and your dog that day. You don't really they don't really expect you to work. But if you're if you're very involved in the club, then you feel like you need to work. Right. Favorite foods or restaurants. Tell me about your uh, culinary tastes. Well, I pretty much like all kinds of foods <laughs> as you, as you guys will see at the reunion, <laughs> but, uh, probably we like to go down to Rick's cafe in Hagerstown okay. and Hoffman's here in, on state line road. Yeah, it's a nice place. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, we like, we like Mexican food. I mean, just pretty much anything and everything. Since you stayed around Greencastle, have you been able to keep in touch with any class, any members from our class? Uh, here lately, since the kids are gone, not so much. But when when our kids were growing up, you know, I, uh, Jeff and Cheryl, uh, their son Travis and our son Alan were were good friends, and we uh, the Weaslings, their their son Adam uh, was that same age, so seeing each other at sporting events and so forth with, with our kids and uh, stayed in contact with them that way. Uh, since, since then, probably Bobby Miller, seeing him around painting and stuff, that's about it as far as the lately. But, yeah, I saw quite a few of them throughout the years playing sports with, or with the kids playing sports. 
Back when you had your own construction company, where uh, typically where were you building? Uh, north of the Maryland line, mostly. Uh, anything within half hour, 40 minutes of Greencastle. I, I went up into Shippensburg, uh, had built a log house for a guy up there who who was an interesting character. He was a D, undercover DEA agent. So he, he filled us in with quite a few stories while we were working on his house. Yeah, I was invited to sing on a on the show in Baltimore with a couple quartet guys that I, I hadn't met before, but they knew that I knew some of their songs. And so they invited me to come down. I was asking, you know, we were asking each other what, what we did. And of course they knew each other. And, and the one guy said, I work at an agency in DC and I'm pushing a little harder. And after a while he leaves the room and one of the guys said, you shouldn't really ask too much about what, what he does. <laughs> you might not want to ask him too many questions. <laughs> Yeah, he might have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any uh, interesting memories or stories from high school? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe we don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael and I you know, told some stuff that, that needed to have the uh, statute of limitations run out <laughs> on. <so. laughs> yeah, yeah I, I found it interesting. I, I, too, remember the day that you uh, – Put the yellow Camaro over the side of the hill. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Wow. Probably, you know, uh, when we hit ninth grade, skip, skipping school or skipping class a day and going to uh, the Cumberland Life Festival uh, and and trying to avoid getting caught doing that. Um, and then, of course, you know, the big, big skip days uh, in high school. The, the funny thing was, you know, with going to the career center, you wound up with the same group of uh, classmates. You know, for all th- for the last three years of high school. Right. So when you were home, when you were at home school, you know, it was that same group, and uh, we had uh, we had a lot of fun during that those classes. Uh, I, th- I think Bill would probably agree with that. Uh, we had uh, Mr. Snare for problems of democracy, P.O.D., and we we got into some lengthy discussions about the politics of the day i i can only imagine what it would be like today you know back then we couldn't even imagine this kind of a deal but <laughs> you know not more than a couple months ago we thought was we were fairly uh free people and yeah i had no idea the governors had this kind of uh power without any account- accountability they just make an edict and we're supposed to follow yeah, well, I'm not so sure that they do have that authority, but, you know, we're kind of kind of like sheep. We just follow along. But I think we need to stop and think and ask ourselves some serious questions about how much authority people do have over us. Yeah, I just finished watching the, uh, I think it was on Netflix, the series Waco. And, you know, some things in there about uh, FBI um doing you know making some mistakes which be that as it may but one of the things i thought was interesting was one of the agents talking to another one and says you know there was one of us for every five thousand civilians so the only way that we actually have power over them is to convince them that we are more powerful and um be that as it may the you know the power of convincing the populace that this is the right way. And if, if you disagree, you know, right. you, uh, you're going to be shunned or yeah, whatever. I, I'm not a big fan of that tactic myself, but, uh, it, it's, it's seems, getting to be, seems to be working, but I think there is a groundswell 
of, uh, of dissension coming up. You know, I see more and more of it. The biggest frustration for me is we were told we had to lock everything down to flatten the curve. Well, we flattened the curve so much that hospitals are lay, had to lay people off. Uh, staff is cutting hours. Uh, we have so much more capacity than we even even started to use. And um, so now they've changed the narrative. We, they don't know how to get us out of this. And they changed the narrative to we're going to try to control this virus or stop this virus, which there's no e- right. epidemiologist at the that ever said we could control or stop this virus. Yes, yes. Well, th- through all of this, I've been pretty fortunate because Maryland has deemed construction uh, as, as essential. And so I've personally been able to continue to work uh, through all of this. But my wife uh, is a beautician, and she has a beauty shop here in the house. And she hasn't worked since, the. I guess, her last day of work was March 18th. It just it's just tough. It's you know, you can't hardly comprehend that uh, the government can tell you that you can't work. And she has she has applied for the Pennsylvania unemployment thing. And she just checked today and there's still no record of them doing any processing with her claim or anything. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're so far behind. And of course, they shut their offices down. So all the paperwork's being getting backed up. And, um, yeah, it'll, it'll take forever to sort all that out. And the, the payroll protection thing is fine for businesses that payroll is a significant part of their overhead, but for one man shops like myself that have, you know, payroll was a small part of my overhead, the payroll protection plan, you know, I can get, um, um, a month and a half, uh, payroll, but that loan does nothing for my total overhead costs so it would just be right. like a drop in the bucket yeah I, I i'm afraid that if i was uh still in business for myself the way i had been that you might have been reading about me going to jail because i i wouldn't have taken it i i would have been back to work and let left the chips fall where they may and they could have hauled me off kicking and screaming <laughs> yep uh anything else that uh, you want to talk about that i didn't ask you well not not necessarily, but uh, I do have a, I don't know if you remember it or not, uh, one night that you and I were at the Lighthouse Youth Center and uh, a couple girls uh, soaked your vehicle, your vehicle windows and stuff, and you and I jumped in my car and we took off for Chambersburg and we, pass, we passed, this car pulled over and left us around it and then come out and pulled us, pulled us over here. It was a, an unmarked state trooper and... Uh, <laughs> I do not you, remember that. <laughs> you couldn't after after it was all over. You couldn't believe that I talked my way out of that uh, that uh, ticket because he he was he he come up, he said you come up on me like you were shot out of a cat's you know what? <laughs> yeah, so. you must like driving fast like I like to drive fast. Yes, yes, <laughs> and my my magic. Uh, I shouldn't tell this story, but my magic ticket out of speeding tickets the last 10 years or so has been my class A CDL. And I never really drove truck for a living. When I sold my HVAC business, I sold it to an oil company and they had tankers. And I said, do you mind if I take one of those and go get my, uh, you know, CDL license just in case I ever need it? Sure. And of course, you know, boys like driving big trucks anyway. So Right, right. 
every time, well, every time except once, like 10, 10 or so times in the last six years, I've been pulled over for speeding and it's usually like 20, 15 or 20 over <laughs> and they, they, they come up and, you know, all mad and I give them my license, they go back and they come back up and say, Mr. Martin, I assume you'd like to keep your uh, CDL. I said, yes, sir. I would. And they said, well, we're going to write you up for a failure to obey a traffic sign, which there's no points and no, uh, and the fines less. So I haven't got any points <laughs> except for one. I would, I was almost 30 over in Maryland one night and, uh, that one, I went to court and talked it down a little bit, but I didn't get away for, for scot-free. But anyway, yeah, I still like to drive pretty fast. So, so in other words, the moral of the story is get your CDL license and then you can speed. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to uh, recommend that to everyone, but most of the officers that I've ever dealt with in my life are uh, pretty decent people, and I guess they do not want to uh, make it difficult for someone to earn a livelihood, so I appreciate that. Any other crazy stories like I don't, I didn't even remember that night, but... Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Certain things shall remain unsaid. Right, right. Although I uh, must say that your uh, son looks a lot like you did back in high school. Uh, we we had, we go to Five Forks Church. And, okay. Uh, Dustin plays the drums and stuff there. Yeah, so. I had no idea. Well, I knew he went there to church and that he plays the drums. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the interesting drum story, 30-some years ago— I had this, I've always had this little sound studio in my uh, house, a little recording studio. I had a multi-track, eight-track um, recorder, and uh, it was going to the digital age, and I was uh, wanting to upgrade. So I took it in to a little music store in town in Chambersburg, and I was going to sell it on consignment. And the guy said, I've been looking for one of those for myself. He said, would you consider trading for anything? And I looked around, and I said, you know what? I have no idea how, but I've always wanted to play drums. There's this drum set sitting there. He said, well, okay. He said, I have $800 on that. He said, that's about what that recorder's worth. He said, "You want? Uh, I'll trade you even up. Well, I brought the drum set home and uh, bought a couple books and learned to uh, learn to play drums. And, of course, both my sons just latched onto that. And they're both now very accomplished drummers playing jazz uh bands and rock bands and so forth and um so it was it's just interesting that you know just a random kind of thing and now they are uh, yeah. they're both very good and speaking of him looking like me he's uh he's a big boy yes he is <laughs> yes he is Well, thank you. And uh, you have yourself a, a good rest of your weekend, and I'm going to probably go uh, order a pizza since that's kind of our thing on su Sunday nights. All right. Enjoy. See you later, John. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Bye. And we want to thank you for tuning in, listening to another classmate story. Hope you all are enjoying these. And I hope you, a few more of you decide to participate. Just uh, my contact information is at the top of the uh, webpage where each of the episodes are hosted, or you can hook up with me on Facebook. 
Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.